Welcome to Local Matters. I'm your host, Matt Swallows. I'll be looking at topics that affect us locally in both our city, county governments, uh, ongoing concerns across our community, uh, things we want to better know and understand. Uh, and with us today, we have uh, Dr. Sullivan Smith, who's the, the head of the emergency uh, of the ER at the Cookville Regional Medical Center. Uh, and we're going to discuss the topic of uh, opioids, pain medications, and just overall the drug issues that are in our in our area in the Upper Cumberland. Dr. Smith, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. <laughs> um, I know you're very busy, and I appreciate you you, you coming. Um, uh, I do know that you um, uh, have a lot of experience in this, seeing it come through the ER. Uh, I know you've, I think, even been uh, – went and spoke to Congress, went and spoke to the state legislature about different different things, different things you're seeing that come through. Yeah, so it, how did you get so involved with this stuff? Well, um, because it's a problem, and, and we were seeing it. You know, if you look at the data, um, one it, it's estimated that one in six emergency department visits in the United States is related to an issue with opioids. You know, yeah. those are narcotic pain medicines. I mean, that's staggering. What's more staggering, though, is, you know, we don't have a really good handle on all of the data and the numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, I think what we've done is underestimated uh, the size of the problem. I'm glad there's a public outcry about this because, you know, we've been fighting that in the emergency department now for years Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, we see overdoses and we see deaths and we see problems associated uh, with these medicines, you know, they're good medicines used in the right frame, but they can be so, so dangerous. Yes, yes. It's 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 unfortunate. But, yeah, that's, and that's what we're doing here. I, you know, we want to get the word out, just just make more awareness of the issue and the problem that we're – that it's not just the Upper Cumberland. It's across across the U.S. Oh, but, but, you know, we want, to make, we want to make it known about here so yeah. people know about um, it. The ability to travel easily. Uh, the spread of knowledge and rumors and all mm-hmm. sorts of things like that by the internet. I mean, communications and stuff have really facilitated um, this epidemic, and that's what it is. It is an epidemic growing uh, to the extent it has. So, so how did we get here with the opioid issue? How, how it seems like. So, yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, um, people have always. Um, you know, needed things for pain. And in fact, you know, one of the greatest periods of heroin addiction was right after the Civil War. Really? There weren't many other pain medicines, mm-hmm. you know. And so these these guys had terrible injuries that hurt badly and they suffered. And, you know, they they used heroin back then. Um, so, you know, it's kind of it's coming full circle. It's coming back, um, you know, that people uh, look for an easy way sometimes to um, to treat a condition when there are other and potentially better things uh, to use. So let's, let's get one thing on the table right up front, okay? <laughs> okay? When we talk about chronic pain and long-term narcotic use, we are not talking about people with things like cancer. Right. Okay? Some of the, I mean, that that's a completely different uh, animal. Um, there are a number of other medical conditions where there really isn't a good alternative. Mm-hmm. And so when people talk about controlling access to these medicines, that's not who we're talking about. Right. We're talking about, uh, 
you know, soft tissue, you know, muscular sort of pain and, and a whole host of other things. Where We're talking about the dad that moved a couch on the weekend, hurt his back, started taking his pain meds and never got off of them. That's correct. And in fact, um, if you look at the data again, if you get a prescription for as much as a week, seven days worth of narcotics, even if you're a first-time uh, consumer of that prescription, your risk of becoming addicted to that medicine is somewhere between 6 and 7%. So more than 1 out of 20 people will get addicted on their first prescription. Now, how do, we, you know, how do you work on that? Well, in the emergency department over here at Cookville Regional, we have – now, we've done a couple things. Uh, first, we don't prescribe seven days' worth of narcotics. Okay. So if you go home with a prescription from us, three days. Okay. You know, that really reduces the risk of addiction. And uh, the other thing we, we've done is we've implemented some protocols. So for common painful conditions, uh, we're using research, science-driven, science-proven methods to control pain and symptoms that don't result in these addiction issues and problems with uh, narcotics they've been successful you know we've been doing we've been doing this for several months now we mm-hmm. we kind of got out ahead of things there um we've yet to get a single complaint really that's yeah. good that's good yeah. we're meeting with uh, dr sullivan smith the head of uh the er at cookville regional medical center we're talking about um the drug issues, the problems that that we're seeing in the Upper Cumberland, uh, from pain management drugs, opioids, uh, and everything else, and and um, <clears throat> Dr. Smith, you you mentioned you guys have, have changed some procedures on how you mm-hmm. prescribe uh, pain meds. Um, are others starting to do that? You think, or is that a, is absolutely. there a push to do that? Well, absolutely. You know, you asked me, and I didn't quite get back around to it, but you know, where did all this really start? And if you if you look back when when narcotic use just take off, you know, took off, um, it was back when Purdue Frederick was introducing uh, a new pain medicine that was supposed to be non-addicting. It was known as oxycodone. Okay. Yep. Supposed to be non-addicting. Uh, so was hydrocodone. I remember when that one was introduced too. And at that point, they started talking about pain being the fifth vital sign and how you've got to address pain and. And things like that. And it was a big marketing campaign, and it was designed to help sell their drugs. And it As did. most marketing campaigns are. Yeah, right? absolutely. <laughs> and it worked for them. But, you know, then the rest of this thing kind of spiraled out of control. And, in fact, if you look at um, uh, the attorney generals here, I mean, you know, Brian Dunaway has joined in a lawsuit against the opioid manufacturers, mm-hmm. as many other attorney generals have across the country, because, you know, this was an intentional uh, sale of their product that, that's put us in a problem. And in, in many respects, it was without regard to public safety. Yeah. You know. Huh. So how did we get from there and then a pain clinic? You know, there, there seems to be a lot of pain clinics popping yeah. up and it just just from what I can tell, it seems to be uh, one led to another, or they kind of go sure. hand in hand. I well, don't know that, if, maybe I'm wrong. So the so the pain is the fifth vital sign, and and things that that turned into attention for um, uh, the Intractable Pain Act, which just was recently repealed uh, here in Tennessee, and Ryan Williams led a huge part of that effort uh, to repeal it. Um, but 
So if somebody had pain, let's say you broke your ankle, you know, and, and so I treated it with a, a narcotic and you came back and said, man, my ankle still hurts. And I refilled it and then came back and I'm starting to go, hmm, I'm not so sure about that guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't just stop. I, I couldn't say, hey, you know, we're not going to do this anymore. I had to refer you to a pain clinic. Well, now there was a need for these things. And so these things popped up all over. Um, you know, at one point here in Cookville, we had uh, eight, I think. Um, I thought that was a lot. Um given that we had three Burger Kings and two McDonald's. But on the other hand, at the same time, Murfreesboro had 28. Yes. yes. I remember in our building, uh, we leased to a pain clinic. When they first popped open, and I didn't really know what that was, and um, it wasn't long after uh, we had to actually have the city police force. They would sit there, come to our parking lot, and sit yeah. for an hour or two here and there throughout the week. And finally, when the lease ran out, it was time for time for him to move on just because of the well, yeah. traffic. Um, yeah, there's uh, they they bring trouble in many mm-hmm. respects. You know, well run pain clinics are uh, good things for people that need them. Uh, I can't say that they're all well run, um, and I think they're a big part of our problem. It's easy, right? Ex- you know, accessibility, right? Yep, yeah. and there's a lot of money to be made yeah. in that industry and. And that's unfortunate. Now, the state is taking steps to address those. Now, to, to be the medical director of a pain clinic, you have to be trained in a pain fellowship. You can't just be a general practitioner that decides you want to be a pain doctor, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you got to have uh, a level of training. Um, there's a level of accountability. You can't pay cash. You have to pay with a credit card or with insurance so they can track it, track it better. But um, there's some there's some real steps being made. Um, the problem is the horse is out of the barn, and we're ca- trying to catch up. Yeah, we're meeting today with Dr. Sullivan Smith, the head of the ER at Cookville Regional, and uh, discussing <clears throat> the drug issues in the Upper Cumberland, uh, and, and, and specifically the, the the pain meds, the opioids that 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 issue. Uh, and we we're discussing the pain clinics. Now, y- you mentioned how the, the state is they're trying to address that, but what are some other things you think we can do to to address the pain clinic issue or just just the issue in general? Well, um, we need to talk to the insurance industry, okay? Um, Because, you know, as I I deal with these patients and, and, you know, understand, uh, people who are addicted to these medicines, they're not bad people. You know, they're regular people Mm -hmm. uh, who have fallen into a bad spot, you know, and they need help. Well, you know, we talked about a a week-long prescription has a risk of addiction. Well, you know, let's um, let's say you have a painful condition and your doctor's trying to help you with that condition, whatever it is. A lot of the alternative therapies, which would be a really good idea, insurance companies won't approve. Wow. Okay? You have to get pre-approval and they won't approve this treatment or that treatment. But you know what they will approve? A prescription. Prescriptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, you know, we've got to talk to them and get help referring people to other sorts of treatment besides a pill. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that uh, that's going to be a tough one to tackle, but I think it'd be a worthy cause. Yeah, I'm sure it would. And <clears throat> we've been speaking with Dr. Sullivan Smith, the head of the ER at Cookville Regional, about the drug problems of the Upper Cumberland, the opioids, pain pain addiction, pain medi- medication addiction, and, um, and we're getting a lot of good information from him. And when we return... 
we'll, we'll talk about some more things we can do or some things that you can look for at home to to watch out for these for for these uh, these certain situations. So when we return. Welcome back to Local Matters. I'm your host, Matt Swallows, and with us today is uh, Dr. Sullivan Smith, head of the ER at Cookville Regional Medical Center. And we're talking about the drug issues of the Upper Cumberland, specifically the opioid uh, pain medication uh, and it, what it's doing and, and, and signs to look for if you think someone has an issue. Dr. Smith, is opioid, is this a, is this a problem? I mean, you know, are there a lot of people on it? Well, know? yeah, um, there are a lot of people who are taking narcotics, and, and some would surprise you, I think. You know, trying to you try to figure out how big this is for the United States because, you know, it's getting a lot of play in the press, and, and that's a good thing. But statistically, you know, the United States is about 5% of the world's population, yet we consume 90% of the narcotics that are... The United you know, States does. The United States, yeah, 90%. 5%. Wow. Take 90%. You know, it just doesn't happen in the rest of the world. Uh, you could argue that there are some third world countries, you know, that probably don't do such a good job mm-hmm. taking care of pain. But there are also some very good, uh, highly developed countries with very sophisticated medical systems, and they do a pretty good job they of taking care of pain. They don't have a problem with it. Yes, right. yeah. So, so obviously, we've been talking mainly focusing on pain meds, opioids. So, if someone goes down that path, they get addicted. I mean. Are we seeing this lead to other addictions, strong oh, absolutely. drugs, absolutely. Other, other issues? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's rare to see an overdose that is an isolated single drug or medicine overdose. Mm-hmm. Almost always it's combined. Okay. You know? So it's not just one, but it's two or three things that are overdosed. You know, you hear that all the time. Someone died in their sleep. Well, in the, the doctor, the, the medical report comes back and it was... They were on this, 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 and this. It was the mixture that killed them. And sure, now that's what happened to Elvis. Yeah, you know, uh, look what happened to Tom Petty. That's that's who I was thinking of when I said that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And in fact, if you if you go back and look at the report that his family released, you know, hoping they would help somebody else, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of those things: acetyl fentanyl and uh, was it butyl fentanyl. I think it was the other one. Those are not. Um, commercially available those are street drugs those are fentanyl analogs oh really yeah which is part of what you know when i went and spoke in front of the u.s senate mm-hmm. uh, that's what we were talking about these things are popping up all over the place they're phenomenally dangerous drugs um prince same thing he mm-hmm. uh, somebody bought for him what they thought were oxycodone and instead it was fentanyl and, and he died of a fentanyl overdose so, i mean you know nobody's immune from this stuff so uh, these drugs, the new drugs popping up are pretty dangerous. Fentanyl is dosed in micrograms, okay? So the fentanyl, is that something that they're doing for pain meds or it's is that correct. a sleeping yeah. thing? Like, no, it's a, it's a pain medication. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a pain medication. It's a fairly short-acting but very, very potent medication. Uh, I see it in patches sometimes, okay. fentanyl patch for chronic pain. Um, so the derivatives of this, you know, I, I was a chemistry major in so I look at the structure of that molecule, and they start changing one part of it here, one part over there, you know, and now it's a different compound. And that's what the legislature, the Congress, the Senate has a hard time getting their arms around. ahead of that, right? Right. Um, instead of talking about a class, they want to talk about specific drugs, and, and that's part of the problem. But things like carfentanil, you've probably heard about that one. It's kind of new to hit the streets. 
So we're talking about a drug that was used to tranquilize elephants. Really? It is that potent. And so the dose for an average adult is a microgram. Okay? I don't even know what a microgram yeah. is. <laughs> so, so, you, so a milligram is a thousandth of a gram. Okay. okay? And if you say, okay, a milligram is the size of a grain of salt, that's, that's reasonable. Okay? Mm-hmm. A microgram is a thousandth of that. Okay, so that's a, that. yeah, it's a dose. So imagine how easy it is to get an overdose, and these things depress your breathing. You quit breathing and you die, you know. And it's absorbed through your skin. You can inhale it. Uh, probably, you know, the way I ex- try to explain that is, uh, you know, you just you just got done with a hard workout. You know, so you go over there and, and you open the can that's got uh, the powder for your sports, your favorite sports drink, and you mm-hmm. take a big scoop and you dump it in a cup, and you notice you can taste it, but you never opened your mouth. It's because you inhaled it. Inhaled it, it, yeah. it aerosolized okay. that stuff. It's a powder. And it's in the air, and you inhaled it, and there's a couple nerves in your throat that actually help you taste. And um, if that were carfentanil, you just dosed yourself probably into a fatal event. We're meeting today with Dr. Sullivan Smith, uh, head of the ER at Cookville Regional Medical Center, <clears throat> discussing the drug issues in the upcoming. But now, this this particular drug that, that you were just mentioning, how did how is that even possible? I mean, where did that come from? Well, you know, I mean, there was a lot of research. That, is yeah. this all illegal? Or well, it is. Um, there's a lot of research into trying to find better drugs, better medicines for all sorts of things, and that's where a lot of these things uh, uh, came from. You know, when you you remember the bath salt craze, yeah. which we still have around yeah, here. Yeah, but, I remember that. Uh, a lot of that research was done looking for a better antidepressant. That research was done over at Clemson University by a guy named John W. Huffman, who has said that people who take this stuff are idiots. <laughs> yes. Okay? Because, you know, it's not safe and the profiles are so bad. Well, it's no different with some of these uh, synthetic opioids. I mean, opioids are bad enough on their own, but now you start getting um, – these uh, novel compounds, you know, that are are being uh, brought in from overseas. A lot of it's coming uh, from China. A lot of uh, a lot of this comes from Mexico as well. But mm-hmm. uh, these these are ultra potent, incredibly dangerous drugs. There are a lot of trends going on. Um, you know, we talked about Cookville. It's got a problem, you know, but it's everywhere. Yeah. Last yeah. summer, Wayne County, I believe, at Dayton, Ohio. The uh, medical examiner up there was having to rent refrigerated trailers because of the number of fentanyl-related deaths and heroin-related deaths. Wow. Every night, they were averaging 13 deaths a night. Oh, my goodness. Not overdoses, deaths. We're meeting with Dr. Sullivan Smith, head of the ER at Cookville Regional, uh, discussing the the opioid, the drug issues in the Upper Cumberland, Cookville. Is there something that they've come up with to combat opioids or pain pain medication addiction? Well, um, and does it work? There aren't enough treatment beds, pure and simple. A lot of people don't ask for help until they hit rock bottom. When you hit rock bottom, you can't pay for that. Right. Okay? So then the bed numbers get smaller. There are things called grant beds, which are for people who are unable to pay. I mean, there's even fewer of them. So we need to expand access to treatment. My opinion, if you are addicted to these medications, you need treatment. If you are selling this stuff, you need jail. 
You know, yes, so absolutely. We've, you know, there's a it's a multi pronged approach. That you know, this is a werewolf, but there is no silver bullet mm-hmm. that's going to take care of this. So, you know, we've got to open up uh, treatment access and make it uh, available, and where it works. I mean, some of these people, you know, who are addicted still have jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're trying to support families and and go into a long term treatment program might not be the best option for them mm-hmm. you know that might they might need to do a shorter inpatient and then maybe some intensive outpatient and still try to maintain a job and and family and things mm-hmm. so so what about narcan what is that exactly i've heard of i'm that. glad you asked so narcan is a trade name for naloxone which is a competitive antagonist for narcotics now what that means in english <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah is that these drugs bind to a receptor Okay, and this is something that competes with that drug to bind to that receptor and blocks its effect. Okay. Okay. In a nutshell, it is an antidote. Okay. Okay. To opioids, not to all the other drugs that we see. It doesn't do anything with methamphetamine. It doesn't do anything with Xanax or Valium. You know, it's pure or alcohol. It is purely for narcotics. Um, it, it's potential. Uh, it has real potential to save lives. Our law enforcement are carrying it here. There have been several saves credited to them by administering this medication before EMS arrives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very safe. There, There is no overdose of it. There are no okay. side effects except that if you, uh, you give this person the medicine, they may withdraw a little bit. But you know what? They'll be alive. They'll be alive. Yeah. yeah. So um, – you know, it's available now without a prescription. You can get it in pharmacies. Um, there is some talk about any time you write a prescription for a narcotic, you have to talk about uh, Narcan. That's a good idea. I mean, yeah. education is obviously the best well, thing we can do. Exactly. And and so, um, you know, the other thing, um, the other reason that the police uh, and the sheriff's departments and such are carrying this medication, and I believe that state troopers are now going to carry it under Governor Haslam's plan, mm-hmm. But uh, they're out there searching a car, and, and remember we just talked about that big whiff of yeah. of powder that was aerosolized. Well, you know, these officers and first responders can be exposed, too. This could be life-saving for them. Right, right. So uh, what, you know, education. You know, mm-hmm. this is a good place to sit down at home with your kids, with your family, and talk about these things. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're dangerous. Yes, they're written by physicians or nurse practitioners or dentists or you know, uh, physician assistants, I mean, a whole host of people. And they're good medicines and they're safe medicines in the right setting. Yeah. Outside of that right setting, and that's a pretty small window, uh, they can be incredibly dangerous. I'm glad you brought that up. Real quick, let's let's talk a little bit about what some folks need to be looking for, you know, or what they need to do. Like you said, education, sit down, talk to your, your kids or whoever, your family. Um, what else can they do? I mean, well— there's there are a number of uh, groups that are trying to address this uh, this epidemic, and a good local one is Power of Putnam. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. they've done a lot of work on trying to combat drugs. Um, you know that that's probably a good place to start. If you think you know if somebody in your family or a close friend you think has a problem, I mean talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know because you'd be surprised. Uh, a lot of people think, you know, oh, they'll just get mad, they'll get angry. But a lot of people want to open up and talk because, yeah. you know, these people, 
Um, people that are addicted don't like being addicted. Yeah. Yeah, no one really ever sets out to do that, do they? I mean, I haven't, I haven't found a single yeah. soul, and I've been doing this thirty-one years. Yeah, Doctor Smith, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're very busy. My pleasure, and I appreciate you coming out. and And let's just continue to educate anybody that we can about this problem. You bet. Thank you.